The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent, because you deserve to live your best life, and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. First of all, it's, it's when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. We're excited to get our 2021 Louisville Football Opponent Preview Series underway, where we really get to know the top teams on the schedule for the cards. Uh, much like Louisville, we're getting started with Ole Miss. As you know, the cards will face off against Ole Miss in the Chick-fil-A Kickoff Classic, September 6th at 8 o'clock p.m., primetime football. You're probably familiar with Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head coach, and his shenanigans, but to take a closer look at the program overall and what Louisville fans can expect, we're proud to welcome in Ruby Dreher, who covers Ole Miss for Red Cup Rebellion of SB Nation. Welcome into From the Pink Seats. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you here and get to know an opponent that's been on Louisville's schedule for what feels like forever. Just before we jump into it, I, just kind of what's the excitement level this season for, for you, you know, covering the program and for Ole Miss fans in general? Um, I know it wasn't probably what you guys were expecting last season or maybe so, but what are kind of expectations right now for you all as you enter the season? Yeah, I always like to claim that I'm Ole Miss's biggest fan, and I also think that I'm the most optimistic. So every year I always tell people, I'm like, we're going to be the national championship this year. And I know I'm way off, but uh, I'm just really excited for this year. I think, you know, everyone always talks about how, you know, first year head coaches, first year is you lose big, second year is lose small. And while I five and five isn't ideally the best um, record, I do think that coming off of a full SEC schedule and a win over a number 11 really good team in an Outback Bowl, I think it was actually a pretty good year for Ole Miss fans. And something interesting that you might hear a lot is that uh, people always say that Ole Miss is excited again. Ole Miss football is fun again to watch because there were a few years where it's, it's tough to be an Ole Miss fan when you've seen the same things and the same problems happening over and over we came off a few recruiting violations and stuff like that. So finally, we don't have any more bull bands and things are looking up. The program's looking up. We have a dark horse Heisman quarterback this year. So we're all just really excited. 
Yeah, I and mean, we're going to get into the the nitty gritty here with uh, you know the quarterback, the offense, and all the fun things that kind of come with Ole Miss. And speaking of fun, I mean, I, I mean, I think that for most people who follow college football, Lane Kiffin is um, a guy that you either love or you hate. He's got that charismatic personality. He's an interesting guy who's always saying something interesting and and really just a great marketer for himself and his programs. Um, you know, he comes into Ole Miss last season, like you said, the five and five season, they win the bowl game against Indiana. Um, it, it was, it always felt like it was a matter of time before he ended up back in the, the SEC after coaching at Alabama and Tennessee. Um, but how would you kind of grade him as the head coach of Ole Miss in the first season? Uh, at Red Cup Rebellion, we actually did a little uh, Lane Kiffin's grade book for over the year and everyone kind of rated him. And I honestly gave him a B plus, maybe an A minus because while it was a five and five record, um, I think everything changed within the program. And for during the Matt Luke, our former head coach, it was his slogan was kind of Mississippi made, which is fine. You know, he's from Mississippi. He focused a lot on recruiting Mississippi players, but Lane Kiffin came in and kind of changed it to come to the SIP. Like, look how much fun we're having. You will want to be here. And people always come at him for his Twitter and things like that. But he is making miss he's putting all miss on the map again which is really important and we're getting work back into those blue chip you know recruits and people want to people want to watch us he's turning it into must-see television and I think for any program when when people are saying you know that's not my team but it's going to be fun you know Lane Kiffin's going to throw clipboards in the air and you're if you're a wide receiver like you have a big chance of getting a thousand yards in a season like everything about Lane Kiffin is fun and it's enticing so if I was a recruit, I would want to come to Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, he's got such a unique personality and a swagger that you, you don't really see in the SEC. Like SEC, I, I kind of think of as business, you know, buttoned up, the, the Nick Sabans of the world. Uh, there's not really a ton of interesting characters out there outside of kind of football acumen. But uh, how is Ole Miss and just the fan base that, you know, you talked about that Mississippi made, how has everybody kind of responded and um, received Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss? It's interesting that you bring up that his, the swagger that he has and in SE, in the SEC, you know, you're a, if you're a head coach, you're older and you are probably from the South with a wife and cute little kids and you do everything by the book. And for Lane Kiffin, he does the opposite of that. And he's not afraid to say that. And at first uh, I feel like there were a lot of fans who were really confused by this. You know, Matt Luke was a was a family man and he was a really good guy. And that doesn't take away from Lane Kiffin because he is, you know, I do think he's a good guy. He does have a couple scandals following him, but I think people have come around to it. And once they've seen the progress that Ole Miss has made, I mean, I think that we, for se just season tickets wise, you know, it's, the numbers have been down a lot. And this year he's already sold 35,000 season tickets, which hasn't happened probably since the Hugh Freeze era, maybe even before that. So it's, it's been really exciting just from a marketing standpoint, just all, all across the board, everything at Ole Miss is changing because of Lane Kiffin. So going into the actual team itself heading into 2021, for those who are maybe a tad uneducated into the inner workings of the Rebels, what has been their biggest offseason storyline since the end of last season? Um, you know, that's hard because I – at, in off-season kind of things, people, you know, you're, every team is going to be the best. Everyone's bigger and stronger and everything's different. And I would say that the biggest storyline thus far is probably the defense. I think the numbers for the offense speak for themselves. And there's no question that we're going to be successful in the offense, especially, you know, with our quarterback coming back. And 
but the defense has struggled a lot last year. I think we were 117th finishing, um, which is just, you can't win games if your defense is struggling. And we brought oh, in a we lot. know you're talking to the, the, the bad <laughs> defense capital here in Louisville. Well, this, this game is going to be fun then. It's just going to be an offensive. They might score a hundred points. Like, I mean, it's going to be crazy. I'm excited. The over is what he's trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> So after we brought in two Juco guys and people have talked about that a lot of is our D line going to going to be fixed by that time. And no one's thinking, I guess we actually had one linebacker who said that he thinks Ole Miss is going to be the number one defense in the country. So that, that has been quite a storyline from practice these past few weeks of how much can the defense actually improve? It's interesting that you, you mentioned the kind of, confidence I don't even know what to call that from a defense that like you said was 117th last year I, I was reading just up on Ole Miss over the weekend and I, I I believe it was recently that there was some kind of scrimmage where Lane Kiffin called his number one defense atrocious or used some kind of you know adjective to kind of describe them being just maybe in that day wasn't great is there an expectation that they that they've gotten better defensively I mean have they used the portal and you know brought in freshmen or players that are going to be able to kind of contribute outside of those juco guys that you've mentioned or is it really just let's hold on and just score as many points as we can yeah I think there is an expectation especially because we you know we brought in two defensive coordinators who they didn't get a spring season with with this team. And so now that they're going into their second year in the same system, there is kind of an expectation of, all right, you know, there's no more excuses. We do have to improve. And Lane actually said about that scrimmage, I think it was on Tuesday, his press conference, he said, you know, after looking back and looking at the film, you know, I, I misset it. And the ones were actually really good. And they held the offense to a 42 yard field goal and only three points, the entire, all of those reps with the ones, but he did say that the second in the, that the twos and threes were the ones that were struggling. So he kind of lumped them all together but after watching film he kind of changed his position on that a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kiffin is kind of using the media as a way to say, you know, our defense is so bad when in reality, they're actually not. And just to kind of, you know, for Louisville and other people, other opponents down the road of, Oh, we don't need to plan for their defense. You know, let, let's just score a lot because they're, you know what I mean? So I don't know how he's doing it, but I do think the defense has improved a lot, but we'll, I guess we'll see. You can't talk about Ole Miss in 2020 without the, obviously the offense. We, you, you know, you look at the numbers and it, it's just incredible what he did in his first season with a brand new program, finishing the top 10 in total offense and passing offense. Um, are the expectations that the offense is going to be able to take another step uh, or is it, you know, stay kind of status quo or even maybe, you know, slight regression in terms of statistics, but overall your team can still be better because of other areas picking it up. Yeah, that's the part that I, I'm a little bit worried about this year, honestly, because, you know, we have Elijah Moore, second rounder with over a thousand yards on the season and just basically broke every single record at Ole Miss, just shattered it. And he was our number one go-to guy and everyone knew, like, get Elijah the ball and he'll, he'll hurt you. And this year, I don't think that there's a clear number one guy yet. Um, we do have Jerry and Ely, who is kind of stepped into the slot receiver role kind of into that Elijah Moore and people are kind of talking about him as being that but we also have other wide receivers but I think I'm a little bit nervous for the regression I know they're still going to be successful because I truly believe like in the Lane Kiffin offense and Jeff Levy our offensive coordinator they're just going to be successful and I don't know how yet and I don't know who's going to step up and be that guy but we have plenty of people who can do it and plenty of people that should so as long as everyone can stay healthy I feel like it it might even get better 
And one guy, obviously, that if if he stays healthy, has the chance to potentially win a Heisman, maybe be a you know top one, two, three round draft pick in the next couple of years. That's Matt Corral, the quarterback, uh, was one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the country last season. His stats were off the off the charts. Uh, what's the next step for him look like in twenty twenty one, and how much are turnovers a factor in the off season narrative? Oh, I love Matt Corral. I'm so excited that he's our number one guy and he'll be, this is his first time since he's been at Ole Miss that he will have a consecutive offensive coordinator. This is this, he'll be in a system for the second time ever. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, I feel like, you know, without a spring practice and fully getting into it, that's kind of the mental side of the ball that he struggled with. So if, for those that don't know, he had 14 interceptions over the year, which isn't great, but the biggest problem from that is that in two of two big games, Arkansas and LSU, he threw 11 of those interceptions. And as a fan, you know, that one hurt, but I, he talks a lot about it and he says, you know, that will never happen again. And he's been really working hard on the mental side of the ball. And I think that Lane Kiffin, you know, just working him, working with him this whole time, it, it's going to change a lot for him. And I still think he'll put up big numbers, but he'll be a lot more accurate. Lane Kiffin actually said today in practice that, uh, Matt Corral's throws are starting to look like a video game. Like it doesn't even seem real how accurate he's being. So as a fan, that's really exciting to hear and that we can kind of look away from those turnovers and that he's putting that behind him and he's just going to focus on, you know, the, this next year and what what's to come. So heading into this game, obviously one of the more uh, talked about talking points is, oh, whichever defense is better is going to end up winning the game. Even You said Ole Miss's defense statistically, it, it's not not as bad as statistically what it seems, but statistically speaking, they, they struggled in 2020 finishing in the bottom of almost you know every conceivable and major category. For, for those who had didn't actually get to watch Ole Miss, what caused so many issues last year and, and how much better can they be heading into the season, not just this game? Yeah, I think there were a lot of factors that went into the struggle on defense. Um, one of them being uh, when you're playing 10, we only played nine, but when you're playing 10 SEC offensive back to back to back I think that you know just from a physical standpoint that that makes it hard and the biggest issue I would say <clears throat> is the defensive line and we actually fired our defensive line coach from last year and we hired uh, Randall Joyner from SMU and I think that he will change it a lot in our outback bowl where we played um, Indiana we kind of saw the change in the defensive line and a lot of it, I would say, I think that we won that game because of the defense and I'm not sure what switched. I'm not sure what happened, but I do think that just a change of a change of personnel and just wanting it more is going to have a big factor in the defense and people get tired of hearing how bad you are. So I think that they're a little bit pissed off about that and they just, you know, they want to prove people wrong, which will help a lot. And you talk, talk about the defense quite a bit. Um, and just what they are expecting and where they can be in 2021. Um, and it obviously will start with Louisville in game one. You've, you've talked about the off season and the biggest storyline there, but what is the biggest storyline on the, on the actual gridiron for Ole Miss week one? What, what's the one thing that all Ole Miss fans are kind of watching for? Um, I would say probably just who's going to be that number one guy on the offense. And we want to win. You know, we're going to Atlanta. We're playing Louisville. We want to be we want to be that guy and start off the year 1-0. And I think a lot of it is just a confidence thing. You know, after we play you guys, we're going home and we're going to play Austin P. And then we play Tulane and then we have a bye week. And right before that, that's when we start SEC play against Alabama. 
So I think the biggest factor and the biggest you know, storyline is that we want to be the best. And the best way that you can do that is to win on the big stage. That's going to be a primetime game in a primetime location. And people really just want to see Ole Miss succeed. That's the bottom line from it. So it's probably going to be on the uh, defensive side of things for Ole Miss. But where can Louisville expose Ole Miss the most? Like what specific you know, niche category do you think Ole Miss will have like the hardest time against Louisville? Oh, I don't know. I, I would say the run game probably, but you also have, you know, Malik Cunningham who can kind of rip us apart if we're not careful and we don't control him and also Tyler Harrell. So all of it is a little bit dangerous unless we figure out how to contain you guys from kind of all areas on the ball. Um, yeah, I would just say anything offensively. Don't don't pick us apart. <laughs> is this so a, I'm not gonna, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was, I'm not I'm not going to ask you like who you're going to pick to win. But who do you think needs this victory more, Ole Miss or Louisville? Um, I honestly think Ole Miss needs it. You know, this isn't a this isn't anything to say about Louisville, but the SEC is hard. And when you can get those wins, you know those those must wins to make you a you know a nine and three team or whatever it is, I think you have to get them. So I would say that Ole Miss needs this win more than you guys do. And I want them to win. <laughs> of course. And I would expect nothing less. And I want Louisville to absolutely destroy Ole Miss. Odds of that <laughs> happening. Very slim. But speaking of which, what is, what is kind of like when Louisville or when Ole Miss fans kind of talk about Louisville and facing off against uh, the program, what, like, what, what is the conversation? Uh, I, you know, it's always interesting for, for Louisville, you know, for myself to get a perspective of what other fan bases think of Louisville, but um, even more so, you know, with somebody who covers the program, what's kind of just like the, the, biggest thing people are talking about with Louisville in week one? Such a good question. Um, the thing that I found the most interesting about Louisville is uh, unless you're Alabama, consistency in any position group is usually pretty rare. And I feel like the quarterback position group has been amazing at Louisville for about 10 years. So I think that when you have, you know, a group that knows exactly what they're doing and kind of creates the perfect quarterback, then that's always scary. And with Malik, you know, I'm, a, I'm, we're all a little nervous of what he's going to be able to do to our, a li- maybe a little bit above average defense if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the same conversation exists here. Uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, kind of um, jokingly, Louisville's defense has been atrocious for five, six, seven years. I mean, I think it's been since 2013, 14, that range where they had a really, really good defense. They had a couple of average ones in between. Um, and for Louisville, the, this is the year where the defense might actually be good. Uh, but at the same time, it's going up against an offense that is so explosive and has the potential to put up points on, you know, just about any play. Louisville fans believe that this will be a shootout in a game that's probably 40, you know, 40 points. First, maybe the first one to 40 wins. Is that kind of the expectation on your all's end too, that it's going to be kind of a shootout? Yeah, I would say that that's pretty accurate. I mean, most most games this our past season, you know, they they really were shootouts. And there were other than Florida and Alabama, every single game was kind of decided by a touchdown or so. And you know, we gave up in the end in some of them, and and in other ones we won by one point in overtime. So I think that we are looking probably at a shootout, especially with both quarterbacks. I actually saw on Instagram the other day one of our the Barstool Sports for Ole Miss. They put out a little graphic and they're like two of the best quarterbacks in the country going at each other. Like what could go wrong for the defenses? Just kind of jokingly. I think that's exactly what we're going to see from this game. 
I, I do too. And it's interesting because I'm uh, not sure how much you keep up with the SEC, the coaching carousel. I, I would assume quite a bit considering that you cover the program, but Louisville's coach Scott Satterfield was in the mix um, at Scott at uh, South Carolina earlier this year. It was a whole um, kerfuffle with whether or not he interviewed, whether he didn't interview. And there's some animosity, I would say, with Louisville fans here about that. Um, and it's interesting because if Ole Miss puts 50 points up on the board and they win, even if it's a close game, Louisville fans are going to have a meltdown of epic proportions because there's a lot of them that don't want Scott Satterfield to be here. Uh, what happens if Ole Miss loses this game? You know, hypothetically speaking, is there, uh, you know, kind of a frustration sense of maybe the season's not going to go the way we expected, or is it, you know, Hey, it's week one, we can move on. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know how Ole Miss fans would feel about it. I do kind of feel like if we do lose, it's going to be a massive disappointment just because, you know, we're heavily favored in this game and we are the SEC guys, you know, we, we are supposed to win these games. And so I think, I think that there will be some disappointment, but from a coaching standpoint, you know, we just gave Kiffin a huge contract and we're kind of in there for the long haul, but I do think it will be tough for fans. And especially if we, you know, don't perform the rest of the season, it's going to be tough for, you know, people to still stay hopeful and confident in this team. So one of the more underrated storylines when doing a little bit of background research was uh, how Ole Miss lost both leading tackler Jacques, Jacques Jones, I think is how you pronounce it, and then starting corner Jonathan Haynes. And, uh, how has the competition been over the course of the offseason in trying to replace those specific guys? Are, are there some, some guys who can, you know, buy to get those starting roles and maybe not re replicate the production those guys has or maybe may come close? Yeah, Jacquez Jones was kind of a, it was honestly shocking. It was a pretty crazy loss um, for us, but he, he's going to Kentucky now. And I, we, as soon as that happened, um, we, I think we pulled someone else from the transfer portal. I can't think of exactly who it was, but one of the main kind of, it's not, no one knows for sure why Jacquez left, but one of the main reasons people think is because we brought in Chance Campbell. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's our linebacker and our new linebacker. And he's, very good and he's been talked about a lot in this practice in camp so I feel like he's going to be a big addition for us um regarding Jonathan Haynes yeah he was a four-year starter but you know I don't think anyone's going to be missing him that much and I know that's bad to say but he wasn't he wasn't exactly what we needed um but for the in transfer portals and recruits this year Kiffin focused a lot on the defense and so for in our DB room he brought in eight uh, freshman DBs and all eight of them early enrolled. So I think that he's looking to, you know, have some freshmen make impact pretty early. There's a guy named Tysheem Johnson that I think everyone should be paying attention to because he's he's already being talked about in camp a lot. And I think that he's going to be, you know, our go-to guy in the secondary. So I think he's going to be really good. But, yeah. So who do you think is going to be this defense's X factor? Um. Or maybe not expect, but someone definitely to watch for when uh, this game gets underway on Labor Day. I think there's two people defensively that are going to be our guys this year. And one of them, I really hope can, you know, figure it out because I've never seen an athlete like him in my whole life. His name's Sam Williams, and he is phenomenal. He's so fast, plays D-line, and he's very, very good. And our DB would probably be A.J. Finley. He had three interceptions on the year, and I think he had six pass breakups. So he, you know, he's pretty good and he's a, he's a junior this year. So I think that he will kind of be our you know, veteran in the backfield, not in the backfield, sorry. And the DB and he'll be our guy. 
What about on the offensive end? Uh, you mentioned, uh, Jer- is it Jerrion Early? Is that his name? Uh, the, yeah, the slot receiver. Easily. easily. And who else um, on that offense outside of Matt Crowell uh, should Louisville fans be watching for? Yeah, Ely's, he was a running back, and I think they that they're probably going to keep him there. But our running back room is phenomenal. You know, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish, Kentrell Bullock, all of them can be make an impact early. But I think that our wide receiver is probably going to be uh, Braylon Sanders. He has kind of had a hard time staying healthy. He's never played more than six games in a season. So that's a little bit concerning. But he uh, had 25 yards per catch last game. Not last game, sorry, last season. And so I think that he is... If he can stay healthy, he's going to be, you know, Kiffin called him a future first rounder. So hopefully that's true. I would love to see him succeed. But also there's that little talk of John Rice Plumley, our former quarterback, and they're putting him at slot receiver too and tr- like testing out to see how he will be. And I think that he could be really good. <laughs> Interesting because Louisville's also yeah, got quarter, several quarterback to wide receiver. Yeah, that sounds about familiar. <laughs> yeah, Louisville's well, got not, several not former quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah, but it's here's the interesting thing about that. Matt and I have talked a lot about this, and uh, I'm curious of your perspective on it because there's typically two schools of thoughts when you have, you know, say you put a John Rice Plumley out there, a guy who was a heralded quarterback for Louisville at Shy Wirtz, a uh, um, four-year starter at Georgia Southern who transferred in and moved positions from quarterback to wide receiver. They've got Braden Smith. Where do you stand? Like, do you do you find it more interesting, the wrinkles that an offense can have with, with guys out there like that where you can do multiple things? Or is it, you know, let's keep our quarterback, our quarterback, and, and you know, just kind of that traditional offense, let's keep moving with that. Oh, I absolutely love that the wrinkle in it. I think it's so much fun. And that is kind of who Kiffin is. I mean, we had one of our guys, our, a linebacker, he had 45 rushing yards last year because of a like a punt fake. And it was that was at the Arkansas game, I'm pretty sure. And that was crazy. And then we have another guy, a wide receiver. He's really good, too. His name's Ontario Drummond, who just has a cannon for an arm. So they'll pull Matt and make Matt block sometimes and have Drum throw the ball. And if we have Jacquez out there and all these people who can play multiple positions, and I think that's kind of the goal this year is just because we're going to put you here for the first game doesn't mean that that's where you're going to stay the, the whole game. You're going to shift and everyone's going to move and keep things confusing and make it really hard to figure out what's going on. What makes a, a great tailgate at a program like Ole Miss? Give me kind of the elements that you would use for the recipe concoction of a great tailgate. What's that look like? Oh, you know, I have to say that we have the best tailgating in the country. If you ever find yourself <laughs> in Oxford, Mississippi, you have to go to the Grove. Um, I do think just the atmosphere of it. I mean, you're surrounded by these beautiful trees and super hot and humid Mississippi. But I think the Walk of Champions is kind of one of those things that's really exciting because you do see in some programs where you have to line up for the walk of champions and go to a certain place. And in the Grove, they walk right through it. And there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people there waiting to hurry and touch someone's backpack that's walking by. And just the, they just changed the alcohol rules so that sometimes you can have the can out. And I do think that that kind of makes it fun of just the secretive and how lavish everything is, all the chandeliers and the, perfect tablecloths and all of the old Miss side of it and that everyone's dressed up and it's just different and you're not from the SEC like I'm not from the SEC or anywhere in the south and so coming here for the first time it was shocking like no one's you don't wear jerseys to a football game that's so weird why are you in heels and a full-on you know suit jacket it's just so crazy to see how different everything is and how much people love it. You have to explain this one to me like I know it's a big fraternity sorority culture in terms of the dressing up but like why would somebody want to wear a suit to a football game? 
yeah, it's yeah. I, I know I couldn't do it. I I sweat like <laughs> nobody's business. I've I've been down south before. I've been to Louisiana. I know what that humidity feels like. It's it's not enjoyable. Yeah, those early August games have you rethinking everything. But uh, the first time that I came here, I was telling my parents like I want to go to Ole Miss for college, and they were I'm from Las Vegas, and they're like, um, what? You know, kind of confused. So they took me out to an Auburn game and I thought I was going to be, you know, dressed and blend straight in. I was in a t-shirt and a little denim skirt and cowboy boots because it's the South. Like, obviously that's what you wear. So I get here and I'm walking around and these girls are in full pearls and heels. And then there's guys in suits and it is so unbelievably hot and sweaty and humid. And I couldn't understand it, but I loved it. And now that I've been here, some of, you know, people still wear suit jackets, but a lot of the fun of it is when it's really, really hot. It's for the fraternity pledges and they, uh, they are doing it because, you know, they can, and that's, I, there's no hazing. And I say that with a wink, but that's kind of their way of hazing. If you want to be in a fraternity, you're going to have to sweat out everything at a August 19th opener that starts at 2 PM. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I, I, if it was me, I'd be walking away right there. That's a little bit. <laughs> A little bit too much for me. Yeah, I I'd like it. to enjoy my college football games in somewhat level of comfort. A suit ain't doing it. Uh, let's finish here. Conference expansion, um, NIL. There's been a lot of things happening in the SEC. Uh, I believe his name is Bryce Young, quarterback at Alabama, has made almost a million dollars um, in the first offseason, never having started a game. Uh, what? What? I'll, I'll do a two-part question here. Your thoughts on adding uh, Oklahoma and Texas into the conference and how that impacts Ole Miss. Um, and how has name, image, and likeness stuff gone for the players? Uh, and what are kind of the program's thoughts on that um, as that's been rolled out? Yeah, so this is kind of a, I would call it maybe a scalding hot take. <laughs> but I, I love the expansion. I think that it is, it only is good for Ole Miss. They're, because you're bringing in people who are going to make your program more money. And I'm not sure how they're going to lay it out. You know, there's been talks about doing pods. So you're playing four teams and then one from each or whatever. Or which I think would be more ideal is if they push Auburn and Alabama over to the East and we get Oklahoma and Texas, then we're not playing Alabama every single year. And we're not playing Auburn every single year, which is one of those matchups where, yeah, you're probably going to lose those if you're Ole Miss. And so with putting these people in there, it's just bringing more publicity and attention to an already pretty dominant, you know, area. And so I'm really excited for Texas and Oklahoma Um, for the name image and likeness. Um, yeah, I think Ole Miss, I don't know if Ole Miss has really, you know, benefited that much from it from a player standpoint. I know Matt Corral has had a few people that he, I think that he said that, um, like, people have to pay, it was some crazy number to kind of get him for an hour to come and publicly say something. can't remember exactly the numbers, but that was a headline with uh, Derek King over in Miami. Mm-hmm. But with Bryce Young, I... I'm a little skeptical of Saban and I do respect him because he is kind of a recruiting God, but why saying that and making headlines, if I'm a five-star quarterback and I'm not sure where I want to go play, but I hear if I'm an Alabama quarterback who has not even started a game and I will be making a million dollars, I would be dumb if I didn't run there. And so I think by saying, I don't think that he's actually making that much money. I'm sure it's an obscene number, but I do think, you know, that was a, it was very tactical and smart of him to say. Yeah, recruiting's the name of the game, baby. I mean, if you have a chance to sign a lucrative deal before you even play it down, I mean, there's a reason Saban is the, like you said, the recruiting god. Yeah. Can Lane Kiffin, recruiting-wise, I mean, can he 
keep up uh, for the time being and, you know, potentially be the, the guy that kind of benefits the most post Saban, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think what he's doing makes sense, but I think anyone who says that they can compete with Alabama and recruiting is really just lying to themselves. I mean, there's big programs, you know, if you're Texas, Alabama, Ohio state, you know, places like that. I mean, it's, it's close, but at this point, Alabama doesn't even recruit anymore. They select. And I think by doing that, it, it will be hard for anyone to say, you know, oh, I can compete with Saban until he's gone. Now, after he leaves, I think that will probably be a different story because it is going to be a completely different program. And Kiffin will probably be able to benefit there. But he, Kiffin's also, you know, not everyone can play at Alabama. So if we get, you know, maybe second from what Alabama exactly wants, or, you know, if we get more four stars than we do three stars, I will be very, very happy with that. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for your time, Ruby. This has been extremely insightful. Uh, Louisville fans who want to keep up with Ruby and want to keep up with the Ole Miss program as we get closer, you can do so on Twitter at Ruby Dre. That is two A's, double A's. Make sure you do not forget that. Uh, RedCupRebellion.com of SB Nation is where you can find her work. She does a great job over there. It looks like covering football and baseball. Is that right? Yep. Fantastic stuff. I know it's been a, a big season baseball wise for Ole Miss. So uh, make sure if you're interested in that, that you check her out there. Ruby, thank you so much for, for catching up with us. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good news on our end after the game. And you guys are uh, maybe sulking a little bit over there. <laughs> I hope not. But thanks so much for having me, guys. Hotty toddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.